Jacob Jones. Monkeys is the best. The little beaver statue outside. <laughs> oh, maybe one of the best mascots you've ever seen. The beaver himself. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm a big beaver guy. You like beavers? Oh, big beaver guy. Big beaver guy. How has this become a thing here? Uh, beavers, you know, Sikora, you're just as fascinated as I am at this point. Ben Yates. You know, I've, I was always a fan of the uh, the Oregon State logo okay. growing up. It's a good beaver. And they have, they have, they have, pretty, solid, they have pretty solid uniforms. So yeah. I was like, you what, know what? What's your favorite beaver? Uh, you know, I got to go Benny Beaver. Pac-12 represent. Uh, he's one of the two or three best. Benny Beaver and then, you know... Is Bucky number two? You know, I gotta go Bucky too. Okay. You know, Benny's never made me brisket before. Do you have a top five? The Valley Variety, live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on Blaze Radio. Two on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome to the Valley Variety. As always, producer Jack Bartlett and my co-host Ben Yates. I'm Jacob Jones. What's up? Hey, it's going on. Uh, we're now in the Bartlett box. Bartlett, thank you for <laughs> letting us come into your dwelling where you usually uh, remain by your lonesome. Uh, it's very great to have you. Uh, as, as also, we have a, a guest here. Uh, so we're going to you know, I want to talk about the Dynamax just a little bit before we go far into this. Jones, are you feeling okay? Or? Yeah, I feel fine. I'm, it's all okay. good. It happened last night. We are... <laughs> what? <Okay>. Is that it? <laughs> you don't want to talk. He was at the Game 5. Uh, it was an experience. You were at the World Series. You had. Yeah. Did you have any fun besides uh, seeing your team perform fairly well up until, you know... It, yeah, it was a great experience. I mean, looking back on it, I got to go to two World Series games, and that's yeah. a once-in-a-lifetime thing. My parents hadn't done in 2001, and I want to give them a shout-out to my mom and dad, Steve and Valerie. They knew how much that meant to me, and it means a lot to me and my dad, and we were able to go and share that experience. And even though we didn't win, we went to the World Series, and it was a lot of fun. We didn't come out at the end, but it was a great season, we're looking to build off it into next year. Yeah, And now I want to, I do want to welcome our guest. Uh, Pete Sepnick is here. Uh, he's a voice uh, a voice actor and a narrator, a, a producer. He's been a part of a lot of different franchises and p- businesses that you probably know of pretty well. He's you've probably seen a few dozen of his commercials without really knowing it. Uh, so, Pete, welcome to the show, uh, and we're so honored to have you here. I'm honored to be here. Thanks, guys. I love your show. I love what you guys are doing. So, thanks for having me on today. It's very cool. Now, now, Pete, for those of uh, of the audience that probably don't know all the things that you've been a part of, can you give a quick summary of the things they might have heard your voice in? First of all, they should know everything. Should know everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you haven't, you need to read up, study up. Bone up, peeps. Um, so I've done, oh gosh, I've been around the business. So um, I've done all kinds of things, commercials, cartoons, uh, narrated shows. I do a lot of promos. I do a lot of toy commercials. I started doing uh, Hot Wheels commercials in the 90s, back when I was actually, it's funny, I was actually directing in-house Barbie spots, and I'd been joking around on the set doing voiceovers, you know, for all kinds of Mattel products, and the voiceover guy doubled his rate on the way to the session. So he, you know, suddenly they're like, all right, forget it, Pete, you do it, and we'll start paying you. So that's how I sort of started, is by doing Hot Wheels spots. And uh, so yeah, I'm done, let's see, I do their, I still do, WWE action figure spots, and I do a ton of toy commercials for Spin Master, like Batman and uh, Monster Trucks, and um, I just did a bunch of stuff for Roblox and uh, Baku God. 
Um, so, and then I narrate shows. I've been on and done stuff for Jimmy Kimmel Live. You know, try and do whatever. I just throw myself out there. Just try and be as open as I can to any and all jobs whenever uh, they come my way. And and now you're also a, a Portland uh, native as well, correct? You're from Portland, yes. Oregon. Uh, so. So we have a we have a bit of connection here between Phoenix, Arizona, and Oregon. You now have DeAndre Ayton on the on the Trailblazers, huh? Uh, how about DeAndre oh, Ayton? Finally, <laughs> he's holding them together. <laughs> that's a that's a way to put it. Well, I, my, my dad actually went to the game in 1977, the only time they ever won the championship, you know, with Bill Walton in '77, and then we got we ended up getting season tickets. So my heart is still with the Blazers. Of course, I'm kind of a fair weather fan. You know, if the Clippers are doing great, I go for them. If the Lakers are doing great, I go for them. You know, being an LA resident now. But, um, yeah, I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. In fact, I was just saying to somebody, I don't know if we're allowed to use coarse language on this show. I think you guys might have in the past. Uh, uh, I don't know. But, but anyway, well, yeah, of, we have, it, we have to bleep you out on the... In the 70s, we had two things going on, jack and shit. Jack <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, so we'll have to bleep him out. We, we, we will get in trouble with uh, Blaze Radio if we do go any further with all of it, but... Uh, I do, I do like the coarse language. I wish we could use all the coarse language that okay, we could. Anyway, so, uh, but yeah, so uh, there was growing up in Portland. There was only the only two things to do were to go to see the Portland Trailblazers and to go see Star Wars in 1977. So I'm seen it like must have seen it like 30 times. So that was kind of my childhood right, right and, there. Uh, so in Portland. So Star Wars, right? So you you've seen all the movies, probably the sequels as well, perhaps. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've seen, yeah. You could probably you could probably give us a tier list, perhaps, of all the Star Wars movies if we asked you to so kindly do so. I'm sorry, what list? A tier list, perhaps, <laughs> like ranking all the Star Wars movies if oh, we yeah, asked you to. Them. Heck yeah, I can rank okay, them. Okay. Uh, oh, I don't really. Oh my God, here we go. Jack, really wait, 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 wait. Be- before we do this, Jack, do we have access um, to a fanfare so we can announce I did, these? Let's see. So definitely the first. So I always <laughs> when I talk about the Star Wars movies, it's kind of like. You know, is it better or is it more impactful, right? It's like, you could say Empire Strikes Back is better than the first Star Wars, you know, Episode Four Original Hope. But as a kid who's seven years old, there's, you know, and he goes see Star Wars, the impact that movie had will never be topped by any movie ever, you know? Um, so I would definitely say that Episode Four is number one, then Empire, and then probably third would be Return of the Jedi, and then I'd probably say Force Awakens, and then probably, oh, I'd say Revenge of the Sith, and then maybe... Last Jedi, and then uh, probably Episode Nine, which people don't like, which I think is fine. You know, uh, the Last Whoa. Skywalker, um, and then uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Sorry, and then probably go back to the prequels. You know, uh, Phantom Menace. And then last, last on everybody's list would definitely be Attack of the Clones. Do you right. guys have a ranking of, of Star Wars? Do you guys have your own ranking? Well, I'd love to. Yeah, no, I, I'd like to compare my list, uh, if, if you want. Uh, I might be the most avid Star Wars fan amongst the three of us here. Uh, I definitely have Empire number one, uh, and then New Hope followed by Return of the Jedi. Uh, I am a big Revenge of the Sith guy. When I go back and see it nowadays, it still holds up. Back when I was like a, a teenage, like a, a really small, young scout, I, I was like not really into the prequels. But now when I go back, I'm kind right. of... After seeing the sequels, the prequels hold up a lot nicer now. They have a little bit better taste on my tongue, yeah, I think. they got kind of the edge now. Right. It's so shocking, you know, because when they came out, it was like I was watching a video game, you know? Yeah. Too much CGI. It was like CGI overkill, you know? So. Oh, yeah. But I think, I think the, the reboot, the re- I, I guess I couldn't call it a reboot. I think 
Force Awakens was such was so great because he was able to bring back obviously the old characters from the original trilogy and blend in these new characters. And the dumbest thing they could have possibly done in the Star Wars world was to kill off Han Solo. I mean, that was the stupidest thing possible. I mean, they just like killed the greatest character. Like, just think how much better Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker would have been if they'd had Han Solo. So, anyway. Now, I, yeah. my my co-host here, Jacob, I'll let you speak on it in a second, but I've been trying to get him into Star Wars. I just got him started on New Hope and Empire Strikes Back before the summer ended. And I haven't been seen the movies before. He's he's not well, not avidly. He's not he's seen the clips. You know, like you know the people that say like, "Hey, I've seen clips of this. I know what happens." But you know they they don't really (laughs) dive into the the content. Right, right. So I I haven't gotten him to Return of the Jedi yet. And you you claim that that's one of your favorite ones. How do you want to you know, how do you advertise this franchise, this monster franchise, to someone who still hasn't gotten into it yet? You know, I think, okay, I think it's, it's a lot of it has to do with childhood. It's like, you know, because I, snu- I basically skipped school in 1983 to see Return of the Jedi on opening day. I stood in that massively long line at the Westgate Theater in, in Portland, Oregon, which, by the way, held the record for having Star Wars in it. From It had it for more than a year. It was in there for 15 months in 1977 to seven. That's the place to be. So I would explain it as, I don't know, I think I was like the perfect age for it. It sounds like you were sort of, you guys were probably watching the prequels when you were younger, and that may have been also the perfect age in a way. Um, so I think that sort of, you know, it sort of has a lot more impact when you're younger. But I don't know. I just think, you know, it's they're so inventive, and they, they you, you wish you most people wish they could live in the Star Wars world. That's what I tell people who've never seen. It. I was like, you got to go into that world. You're gonna wish you had a saber. You wish you could use the Force, and you know, so. The people who say, oh, that's stupid. Like, I just want to wring their necks. I just want to <laughs> throw mud in their face. I wouldn't, so, I wouldn't but, say uh, it's... Yeah, I, that's how, but I, I tell them, like, they, it's really, like, it should be a great experience. You know, it should, make, it should harken back to sort of, like, your imagination as a kid, you know? So hopefully that will work. To, I, yeah, I never get it. I never get it when I run into somebody who's my age who's never seen Star Wars. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's, it's yeah that's like, the shocker. It's almost like that's a, the shocker. a crime. You know, they need to do time for that. So. <laughs> Jones, um, do you have any response? I yeah, I don't. I mean, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I don't believe they're bad movies. I just. I. I saw when, what, um, Force Awakens came out in 2015, and then obviously movies went out after that. You went and saw them because it's just. It was just cool to see the 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 franchise rebooted that many years right. later. So I went and saw those. I just never really got into it before, but I knew the general concept. And so I, I wasn't I wasn't blind going into these new movies. I just haven't really gotten into it. I opened to it. Yeah. Went on the ride at Disneyland. Think, it was fantastic. I think, solid. You know what it is? I think some these movies, particularly the prequels, when they came out in what like '99 and then 2002 and then 2005, I think that was all community and all hype. It was like, oh my god, I get to be around all my Star Wars nerd friends. We get to see this movie opening day. We're all excited. I didn't dress up, at least not, you know, at least not that I tell people. I didn't dress up <laughs> completely. But the excitement of going to see these movies and being with those crowds and seeing them every, because I would go, I saw it at the Chinese theater, all those movies at the Chinese theater opening night, and it's, that crowd is electric. That's the greatest place to see any movie in the world, as far as I'm concerned. We go see all the Marvel movies there, all the DC movies, all the open night. So that hype and that excitement around the movie, it's almost, <clears throat> the movie itself becomes like secondary to that community. To being in that group of people, so that's sort of why I go. Oh, Jack, what's happened to the, our our audio here? Is something happening to us? Uh, that sorry, our audio has now malfunctioned out of nowhere. No one clicked a single button, and now it's. <laughs> oh, <the same> thing. <laughs> 
Hey, now it's oh, back. We're back. Just blame Zoom, man. Why is Zoom doing this to us? Zoom? Did you guys lose? Did you guys lose me on my amazing Star Wars monologue? About yeah, the right beginning? at the right at the end there too, yeah. and it was getting juicy. I was getting into it, and now I'm you know it got cut out, and I'm shouting at Zoom at the end of this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dang. It was really good. It was really good monologue. I don't remember what I said, so I can't. <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> I, was just, I was just saying that the community is it's like being with that crowd is a lot more fun than, and the movies are secondary to the being with that group of people. I, I do want to ask you that because, you know, I'm sure people that are listening to the show right now. Why are we talking about Star Wars? It's supposed to be a sports kind of weird show. Why are we talking about something <laughs> that should appear maybe on Sundays at 8 p.m. on Agents of Blaze where they talk about all this pop culture and uh, Marvel and Star Wars and other stuff they talk about? Why are we doing it on Valley of Variety? Well, I kind of I brought you on because you're also you got the voice of the XFL job as well. You've been a narrator for multiple different things. And so how do you get these gigs uh, where your voice is just mainstream? Uh, well, it's, it's it comes from all different types of, of places. My, uh, I have a voiceover manager. So I have a group of voiceover managers that, you know, I get auditions and I audition through them. I've been in this business for a while. So I have a lot of friends in business. The XFL job was crazy because it came from a friend of mine from college. A friend of mine, because uh, I, I went to Chapman University, and I got in there in 1988 with, like, the worst grades, like, the worst SAT scores. In fact, my SAT scores were so bad, when I tell people my score, they're like, is that for math or English? I'm like, no, that's both. That's combined. <laughs> so anyway, so they're, like, shocked. So uh, I, he called me up. He said, yeah. He said, I'm going to be doing all these promos for the XFL, which is the Rocks. You know, he just bought the XFL, so he and his ex-wife are running it. So they need, I they said, they, I think they want, like, a WWE-style voice. So I'm like saying, okay, great, like this weekend. And the XFL, this, you know, I was getting ready to go crazy. So I, I sent them this audition, and they're like, no, that's not what we want at all. They want something totally toned down. They want something that sounds like Liev Schreiber, you know, the uh, Schreiber, the guy who narrates, you know, Hard Knocks, and he narrates uh, a lot of a lot of documentaries. So I went and looked. He was talking about the Christians settled on the church. So I'm like, this weekend in the XFL. You know, and so that sort of like that sort of started that whole thing. Like, yeah, that's it. That's what we want. So it was a style that I was not that I could do that I hadn't done, but I hadn't done it in a while. So then that sort of wound up being the style for those promos that we did. And so every week I would do promos for the, all the games, and they would go on all the socials. Go, they'd go on the Rock social, all the socials. Go on his Instagram, where he's got like 180 million followers or something like that. So it was a really yeah, it was a really great great gig, and the people there are awesome. Really great group of talented group of of, of uh, in the marketing department are, are phenomenal, so it's very lucky. So I know they just merged with what the USFL. So we'll see what happens when things start gelling over the next several months. But yeah, so that's how I got that job. And a lot of the jobs are, I know sometimes a lot of times I'll get people say, "Hey man, like we don't have any money for this, but if you just one job, you know, you'll be the guy if this thing happens, you know." And that almost never turns into a job. But sometimes I'll do like a sizzle reel, which is like sort of like a trailer for a show that people want to make. And it actually will take off. In fact, that's what happened with this uh, show that I just narrated for Paramount Plus called Sometimes When We Touch. It's about the rise, reign, and ruin of soft rock. I don't know if you guys soft rock, like Barry Manilow and Hall and Oates, you know, big, big, you know, sort of softy songs from the 70s were huge. And then the 80s, it kind of fell out of favor because of MTV. And then they kind of resurrected in the 90s. So they did this three part documentary series on Paramount Plus about soft rock. And I had done the sizzle reel for it. And it sold the show. And then they wanted to go after some big names for the. For the show itself, but you know everybody said no, so they came back to me and were like, "Okay, okay, you can do it." 
it. So I wound up doing narrating that show too, so, which was a, which was a great show, but it turned out great. So yeah, it's just kind of a, it's a mix of things. It's a mix of ways to get jobs, and I think the toy business because I've been working the doing toy commercials for so long, people will inevitably leave a toy company, go to another toy company, and then I'll wind up doing stuff there. So it was like, I do all this stuff with Mattel, and some friends of Mattel would leave and go over to Spin Master, and I'll do stuff over there, and then somebody will leave and go over to Hasbro, I'll do stuff at Hasbro, and then somebody will go over to, you know, wherever else, will go to Jack's Pacific. So it all, they all kind of jump around at these toy companies. So I wound up working for all these different, you know, brands doing those things. So it's a mix. When did you realize you had, like, the because you hear like a lot of PA announcers for stadiums, like you know, when I was younger, like when PA announcer said, you know, I'm, like I cried a lot as a baby, so my vocal cords were just a little better than everyone else's, like, <laughs> like stuff, stuff like that. So I like, you sounded familiar. Yeah, it's. <laughs> so like, when did you realize that you had like the voice, like you had like a good voice for it? First of all, thank you. Uh, <laughs> the, the first person to ever tell me I had a great uh, voice for radio was um this guy was crazy so he was nuts um so I, of course i wasn't gonna listen to him but um i did radio in college and um i was in and when i was a kid i would always joke around doing infomercials if you call the next 10 minutes you'll also get this strawberry peeler you know that kind of thing <laughs> and then years later this is bananas i wound up doing a lot of infomercials using that exact same sort of character voice that i did as a kid for infomercials, and I was doing it for, you know, some pretty big, I did them for Jillian, uh, Jillian Michaels, I did them for Richard Simmons, I did them for, um, you know, Mary Lou Henner, you know, I did it for uh, Tony Horton, who did, uh, you know, P90X, so I wound up doing a lot of stuff like that, but it was, it's all the same jokey voice I did when I was like eight, you know, so if you call in the next ten minutes, like that kind of thing, it's always, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, um, don't let this deal get away, so, but I, I sort of, it was always something I knew, I wouldn't say that it's something that I, you know, it's always something I thought I probably could do, but I never thought I would actually do it as a, make a living doing it until Mattel. When Mattel, when I started working at Mattel, then I thought, okay. And then I took a class from this woman uh, named Sue Blue, who's like a legend in the animation world. And that changed my life. She got me a job. She got, she did my demo. She got me an agent. And then I started working on cartoons from there. And that sort of like, that's when things really took off. That's when I thought, okay, this could actually be a career. And so since for the last 20, got almost 30 years or so, it's really been a huge part of my career is doing voiceovers. So I, I would say probably as a kid, I thought, I, you know, of course, when you're eight, you think you're amazing and you can do everything, you know, and then you get your, then you get your butt kicked in, uh, in the real world for a little while. And then you get some lucky breaks and then suddenly things explode. So I got really lucky with some, some early breaks, I think, too. I was going to ask you uh, about, you know, the Batman gig that you just got for the DC Dual Force game. But now I kind of want to trans, you know, hold that for later because you mentioned a crazy guy that told you your, your voice is good for radio. So please tell us about the crazy guy uh, that told you your first uh, contact of radio, uh, the first voice that you're thinking of, oh, this is the guy that thinks I'm good for radio. Who was this crazy guy? <laughs> I want to say his name was Cliff, and I was taking this video class in Portland, Oregon, in like 1987. And this guy was really annoying. And he was an older guy. I was like, here I was like 17. This guy was probably like 35, 40. He's taking this video class with a bunch of young peeps, which was already kind of weird. And I had said something. And he goes, oh, well, you should do radio. And I said, really? He said, yeah, you got the voice for it. You got a great voice for radio. So I was like, wow, okay. And then actually, I did think, well, 
I was like, wow, that's nice to hear. You know, it's always nice to hear a compliment, even from somebody that's crazy. But of course, I didn't take it as seriously about that. But yeah, I don't know whatever happened to that guy. I'd love to find out where he is today. Because you never know what happens to the crazies that you run into when you're younger, right? So, right. but yeah, uh, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, so now, Batman, uh, tell us how you got this. And uh, can you also uh, tell it in a Batman voice, please? Uh, I would, I'd like to hear the Batman impression uh, as soon as possible. Thank you. So everyone's got their own version in their head of how, or in their ears, in their mind, of what Batman should sound like, right? I mean, I grew up watching the old Adam West Batman. That's still my favorite Batman series of all time. Um, and then you got Michael Keaton Batman. You got Christian Bale, who sounds like this every time he talks. Oh, my God, get, my, get myself a beer. I swear. You know, um, <laughs> my Batman... My Batman was actually we recorded my Batman twice. So the first, oh, how I got it was by the way, it's just a standard audition. I just auditioned like anybody else, and they sent everything to DC, and DC chose me, which was nice. Um, and so we recorded the whole, most of the Batman. We recorded most of Batman, and then they listened to it and they thought, oh, it doesn't sound edgy enough because I think I was like, you know, I can't believe you're hanging out with the Joker. That kind of thing. And they're like, okay, we want it to be a little bit more dark. So I'm like, I can't believe you're hanging out with the Joker. Like that kind of thing. So you're, they wanted to make it a little more dark and edgy. And I sound a lot older as Batman, as Batman now in the game. But um, I think that, I think for the game, it works a little bit better than it. Plus, the Batman voice is the one who is the tutorial voice. So he's the one who's like explaining everything in the game. You know, if you use these abilities on this card, you'll be able to trump the Joker. If you do go over here, that kind of thing. So, um, he's in it a lot, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, if you're, if you're, you know, but it's funny, everyone, like I said, everyone has their own version, like, oh, he's, you know, I, you know, everyone's hoping for, um, you know, their own version of Batman, whoever they prefer, and there's a gazillion of, you know, from Kevin Conroy to Michael Keaton, so everyone's got their own version of Batman in their head, so, but yeah, so that's sort of how the whole, that's how the Batman voice started in the, in DC Dual Force. Uh, you also mentioned you were a part of college radio, like we are right now. Um, yes. I, I was just curious if you had any shows with your best buds like we're doing right here with Valley Variety. Yes, I did. I had my own, yeah. <clears throat> you guys are way, way better than, than, than we are. First of all, the great thing about your show See, is now that's a compliment. to talk <laughs> and have conversations and go on and on about whatever you want. We had to actually play music. So what we would do is, it was a show with my, it was weird. So I went to high school with one of my best, I went to high school with a guy named Aaron Palmer, and he was one of my closest friends, and we wound up going to Chapman together and getting our own show there. And actually, Leslie Jones, who was on SNL, had done a show right before ours, oh, and wow. that's when she, she went to Chapman on a, on a basketball scholarship and had so much fun doing radio, she kind of start, stopped doing basketball not too long after that and, and becoming a stand-up. So anyway, it's a little history there, Chapman Radio. Um, no, but, uh, yeah, so we had our, our own radio show, but it was funny, so we'd do impressions. We'd do characters. We'd do, like, Jimmy Stewart just came in. You're like, hey, Jimmy Stewart just walked in. Oh, hey, guys, what's going on here? You know, we do this. <laughs> guys, just hey, guys, Tone Loke just walked in here to the building. And then Tone Loke would come in. I, I think I was Tone Loke. I'd be like, hey, how you doing, Pete? How you doing, Aaron? And then it would go into, like, a Tone Loke song, you know? So we would, yeah, it was a blast. It was great. So we were popular. I think we had 15, maybe 16 listeners. So huge. You know, maybe more, I don't know. 
but yeah so we but we had but we had to play the playlist we had like a, we had a strict playlist we had to play like the songs from a specific so we couldn't like talk the entire time so we were sort of in between songs doing bits so so unlike you guys who are it's great because you guys get to you know go on and on for for about an hour or so talking about whatever you want without having to play play tracks play the ramones uh, is is there a a good number that an estimate that you have of how many voices you did on this show? Oh my god! It was yeah. It was it was <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> we had a stable of characters. Uh, let's see. I probably did maybe like anywhere between twenty and thirty the whole time we were doing the show. You know. Um, my parents would call into the show and request to hear uh, my band. I had a band in high school. So I wanted to get them to play. It's like, so, oh, somebody called. Somebody requested it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not the Zoom again. This is just upsetting. What is this? <laughs> and he's getting into the good stuff, too, again. You got his band going on. Now I want to hear this band. Now I want to. Is it working oh. again, Jack? Oh, okay. Uh, I hear. We're Hello. Back, we're back. The, the, okay, the internet keeps going. Like, it keeps going in and out and in and out. Okay. And he just gave us a compliment too about how we have such a great show and how we have an hour to talk about whatever we want. And then Zoom says, "No, no, you don't." <laughs> no, we... Zoom, Zoom is not a friend. Then. No, no it never has been. Really, it's not. Uh, where where were we? You were in the middle of talking about your band, and it got really exciting and then it just cut out oh, again I was going to say that my mom used to call into the radio station and request my band it was the only way we'd be able to play our songs our <laughs> old band high school band songs on the radio is when mom when mom Sepina calls in she's like I want to hear I want to hear Rear End on I-5 from the cinematographers you know so we play that you know so, so, so the hey, they requested it what are you going to do I'm, I mean I'm not just playing my own band people call they want to hear it you know got to pan it to the fans <laughs> so the, the band's name was cinematographers Cinema Divers was the name of our band, yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, did you... I thought we were great. Most people thought we were god-awful, but I think... <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, do your impressions uh, through vocal uh, recordings on the band as well? Did you do voices while singing, perhaps? All the time. There we go. Like, I would talk I would talk through a lot of the songs. It... That's, you know, instead of singing, I'd be like, hey, guys, what's going on here? Hey, what's happening? And then I, at one point, I'd play, hey, you love this. It's a Star Wars song. It's called Jeff Sandcrawler. And Jeff was a Jawa who sounded like me. Hey, guys, what's going on here? Yeah, you know, I've been trying to get some droids over here. It's gotten really hot outside, you know, that kind of thing. I have basically talked the whole song. <laughs> as, as Jeff, as a regular human. As to, like, you know, you know the, the Jawa voice and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah. Our songs are, they're, they're, for us, they're the greatest thing ever. And, you know, they're not for public consumption. You know, you just do things for yourself sometimes. That's what the, my band was. <laughs> you know. Do you still do you still have old CD old song ever listen back to it or anyone ever asked to listen back to it or is that just uh, I transferred all of them into my iTunes folder oh there you so go much. they are digital so I get to play them whenever I want sadly so oh yeah. beautiful though I'll send you guys some greatest hits there we you go never you never want to talk to me after you hear those <laughs> well then we can play it on the because we have DJ shifts over here as well where uh, after we're done with our show, people come in and play music. I think, guys, we secretly sneak this music on to the Mega Seg, and so people have to play this uh, no matter what. 
because people just sit here and do nothing, and it actually randomizes the music, Pete. And so that somehow we can get your enough. views. We can get you the I'm views out here. Forced to play our music. That's great. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way. I mean, if there's a will, there's a way. Uh, exactly. And, That's the way. Uh, and I, I do want to. Oh, okay. I, wait, do you have another question, John? No. Okay, no, very good, Jack. Did you have one on your mind as well, or? Just college uh, radio. Oh yeah. Uh, how did you come up with the the band name Cinephotographers? That's actually a really good. That's a really good question. Because we were just the three of us were just movie nerds, and we didn't think there was a band called the Cinematographers, <laughs> so we just called ourselves. And we're by we're the the Togs for short. We call ourselves the Togs. The togs. Uh, <laughs> most people call us the Togs, but the full name is the Cinematographers. So because we were such movie geeks, I don't, we were kind of early adopters of the, you know, of the home video. Uh, sort of genre you know we were kind of pioneers back in the day because i was the first, i was the only one on my street to have a super 8 camera so i'd make little movies with my camera <laughs> we had to shoot everything in sequence because i didn't know how to edit anything yet and then we were one of the first people to get a video camera it was a betamax camera it's like we had to have the you know i have the portable betamax and you have the huge camera so um we were just making a lot of movies as kids so that's because we love movies because we're making movies that's how the name came about because we were Movie dorks, basically. Uh, now, you've also been on Jimmy Kimmel for multiple reasons. Can you tell us what that experience was like uh, being on Jimmy Kimmel's show? So, yeah, it was, yeah, my voice was on there uh, for a lot of their bits. I did a lot of bits that would satirize, let's see, like Trump and satirize um, – <laughs> uh, they, they did a bit about, you know, there was a lot of uh, – they were trying to limit the, you know, the amount of porn shoots were happening. So I was pretending to be a newscaster saying that they had to put a boot, you know, they put like a boot on your car. You know, if your if your car's get your car's going to get repoed, they put a boot on this guy, like, you know, like around his belt. So he couldn't work in the, in the porn business, like that kind of thing. So I was like doing a lot of narration for that. that type of stuff. A lot of news stuff, a lot of breaking the news, breaking, you know, that kind of, that kind of, you know, the newscastery stuff, you know, sort of the fake news. That's kind of one of the, some of the stuff I do on that show. It's a great, yeah, he's great. The whole, everybody there is amazing. It's a really great, great show to, to be a part of. <laughs> Someone else asked you a question. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, so do people like, when you tell people you're a, a voice actor, do they ask you to say, do you like get asked to do messages or at all? All the time. Okay. What's so the... like, oh my God, can you do my outgoing greeting? I'm like, yeah. So I'll be like, uh, <clears throat> so usually my standard is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to buckle up, hang on, and get ready to leave a message in Ben's cell phone. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to take the recording of what you just said, because you said my name. So now I'm going to use that, and I'll put it as my ringtone. Thank you very much. Boom. <laughs> yeah. I'll send it separately if you want to. So What's oh, the, I'm on about, I don't know, anywhere perfect. between 15 and 20 people's outgoing greetings. You'll call them up and <laughs> you'll hear my voice. His what, voice is everywhere. At least expect it. Expect it. What's the uh, stupidest thing you've ever asked, ever been asked to uh, voice? <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever been asked to voice? Yeah. <laughs> or humiliating, or if you can um, take that wherever you want. Um, What's the stupidest thing? Um, somebody, I've gotten some crazy direction, which is ridiculous. Somebody said, okay, that was fine, but do it again. Only don't suck. 
That was one piece of direction. <laughs> um, another one was, okay, do it again, only like a human being, like a person. <laughs> like a person would do it. Um, Ouch. Let's see. I've had, one time I was on a, doing a job, I can't remember exactly the product, but one time I was doing a job and um, they thought that they had put themselves on mute when they were having a discussion about me. So I heard everything they were saying about me. They're like, yeah. They're like, he needs to be more dramatic. He needs to ramp it up. He needs to. Even somebody goes, yeah, ramping it up. He's got to ramp it up. So they come back out and they say, okay, so Pete, we're looking to have you maybe add a little more drama. I said, oh, you want me to ramp it up, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, I get a lot of ridiculous. Most, I, I'm lucky. I'm most of the people I work with are very cool, and I get to work on a lot of really cool stuff. So I really can't complain too much. Uh, but I have done some crazy, stupid jobs in the past. I'll, I will say that. So what is so what is the I favorite? Mentioned on the air, so we'll do, we'll have a conversation off air. <laughs> we'll so what is yeah. the favorite uh, job you've gotten then? My favorite job I've gotten. Let's see. There's there's just so many. Um, I mean, obviously, I love. Uh, it's always great when you can work on something that you love, right? Like I did a commercial for a Star Wars product, which is like a dream come true. I narrated that soft rock show because I love soft rock. Don't tell anybody. Um, you know, so when you get to narrate, you get to be a part of something that you actually love and something you would watch, then that's pretty exciting. I was also uh, in a Budweiser commercial that played in the Super Bowl. So that was great. Right. So, you know, the was up commercial, like right? The, people, you know, that's right. Hear you at once, which was great. So that's probably my favorite voice of a job. I've had some other jobs producing too that I love because I, I do that too. But yeah, in terms of voiceover stuff, I would say stuff where I get to, you know, be a part of products or shows or something that that I love and that I would actually want to watch would so be my favorite. It was the was up commercial, right? The aliens, correct? Exactly. Very good. The, yeah, the, when the dog gets beamed back up to outer space and he takes off the mask and they ask what he learned on Earth and all he says is "What's up?" and all the aliens start going "What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up?" So. Um, <laughs> That was crazy, yeah. It's funny. Somebody's like, somebody goes, oh, my God. Just to sort of break it down and real, realistic, because we're getting real here, people. Um, people are like, oh, my God. You had a commercial for the Super Bowl. You're going to buy yourself a houseboat, right? I'm like, no, because it only played 12 times total. Huh. And so unless it plays for, like, you know, months and months, and you get residuals from all these times it played, you don't make a ton of money. So it didn't make, But what, you know, what it did, though, was that commercial keeps showing up on all these TV shows, like the 12 greatest Super Bowl commercials of all time, you know, that kind of, so then they keep playing it and stuff like that. So it wasn't like, everyone thinks it's like a huge moneymaker for the Super Bowl, but it only, play, because you've got this huge audience the first time you play it, like why keep rerunning it? So, but you know, it's, it's to be a part of that, part of the, that sort of like, you know, to be part of that history is great for something like that. Uh, Jack, you've seen, you remember that commercial, the Budweiser commercials, correct? From the Super Bowl, do you remember this one that we're talking about? Yeah, very good. This is like an iconic one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, where would you rank it amongst commercials that that you've seen from the Super Bowl, in your personal opinion, Jack? Oh gosh, you're big. You're big Super Bowl commercial guy, so you know. Especially when it comes to uh, other beer companies, you you rank these periodically, I imagine. Is that right? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh gosh. 
all-time Super Bowl beer commercials. Yeah, there's been a lot, especially there's... the Bud Knight. You know, those are those really good ones. But yeah, Bud Knight's probably like. But the Waza Budweiser, like that's you know. I'll I'll put that at like two or three. Wow, Bud, two or Bud three. Bud Knight at one, and and Budweiser was up at two or three. Very yeah. good. The Dos Equis uh, falling a bit, but you know, it's not as good as the Waza and the Bud Knight. I mean, those are just <laughs> iconic. Yeah. Budweiser also gets the the upper edge because it's a little bit better beer. Oh, <laughs> hey, look at that! Facts. <laughs> a bit of thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this, this might be Jack's favorite segment we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Same. That's so cool that you rank your favorite Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. Do you so? Oh, you don't know what we beer commercials like. Where would you rank like you know all the E Trade stuff and all the stuff of like you know the monkeys and that kind of thing? Do you like rank those as well? Or is it kind of like you just kind of rank the beer commercials, which are all obviously dominant? the Super Bowl? Uh, it, it depends on, like, the, like, what kind of industry they're in, you know? Like, like beer <laughs> beer goes with one. Uh, then you got, like, a, a food one. So, like, the, the Cheetos commercials, um, all the, like, all those kind of commercials in, in one category and then everything else. Right. Got it. Really where, do, where do the really Snickers commercials rank? You're not you when you haven't had a Snickers. Those ones. Those are pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah, those are those. Uh, the I'd put the the Cheetos time machine one at one. For Whoa. Food. Um, do you yeah. remember that one, Ben? I I remember. I just like the Doritos ones where you know in the. Uh, oh, that's what I mean. You know no, what I not mean? Cheetos, Doritos. Yeah. That's yeah. What I mean. the you know, during machine. the scre- no, 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 during the screening of like you know, the the pregnant woman on a, a you know getting to see her baby on the monitor for the first time. The Doritos following the baby's following the Dorito, and then they throws the Dorito on the that's floor. Yeah. That is a classic. And then let's talk about the Tide ad commercials. Oh, my God. <laughs> David Harbour was going crazy on the Tide commercials that year. Yeah. That was an right? iconic season. Damn. <laughs> I, don't remember what, I don't remember what year that was. It was a blur. I think it was 2017. Something I, like that, yeah. yeah. Wait, no, Eagles. I, I vividly so remember Eagles. 18. 18, okay. yeah. yeah. Boom, baby. I got it. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yeah. I don't know a commercial that's been spoofed more though than the was up because yeah. people have made their own version of it and yeah and like gone that's like the most like I don't think there's a commercial more maybe than the tide ad it's a tide ad but that's like said more just as a phrase than was up like right. that's just a phrase like <laughs> it's just a it's yeah, a trademark. And it's almost like the the but why you use a trademark that, it? I, that I was in that my voice was in. It's almost like a parody of what they had already done in a way, too. It's almost like a spinoff of their own spots, right? It's like, well, we'll just keep that same theme, but we'll have it aliens this time, you know? It's like a little <laughs> bit of a reboot, you know, in a way. Uh, we're going to so, put a poll question here. Haley, did Budweiser revolutionize what's up, yes or no? <laughs> there we go. Uh, a thousand percent. So that was from, I don't know if you guys probably knew this, that was, they took these, they took a short film, that's where these guys, that's all they do is say, what's that? What's that? What's that? a short film, and they turned it into a commercial. I think that's what happened. And the guy who directed that commercial, Charles Stone, uh, or the short, had direct, started directing all those commercials. And I think some of the guys who were in the short were also in those commercials. So, a little history there for you guys. You guys probably already knew that, though. You're pros. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting so many compliments here. Our egos are starting to be boosted by the this one interview because we've already been telling us like oh you have a better show than we had in college but you know it's like 
man, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> should we get monetized? You guys are changing lives. Come on, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. You guys are putting out the vibe. Like Taylor Swift, you may not like her music, but damn, does she have a vibe? Does she make <laughs> some kind of like amazing positivity in your life, right? You go to that concert, good God, it's a it's a game changer. It changes your life. Uh, Haley, are you able to? We're gonna keep you up on the, on your toes here. Uh, uh, Z's. We're gonna. Oh, on the what's up, Z's. Yeah, we're do Z's on the what's up because it's a vis. Is a was uh, you know. Uh, but let's also, you know, if we can also keep up with this one, the, let's put it on the poll. Uh, does Taylor Swift's vibes? Uh, what was the? What is it again? Uh, Taylor Swift vibes. Okay, what do you got, Jack? Game game changer. Game changer. Game changer. Oh, Save Taylor Swift vibes or game changer? Yes yeah. or no? Yeah, there saving we go. Lives. Saving lives. Yeah. Saving lives. Oh. <laughs> Taylor Swift vibes or saving lives? Yes or no? There we go. There we go. Saving lives. Greatest <laughs> night ever. <laughs> Not that I went. <clears throat> so, uh, Jack here is actually you're a Kansas City fan, Jack. Uh, so you're you're in the you know the front line of the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey uh, relationship, and you're a hard defender on it. Uh, so, Pete, what are, what is your opinion on this Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing? Is the NFL covering it too much? Should Kansas City Chiefs fans lay off a little bit? What's your take on it? Well, the fact. <laughs> I felt bad for Travis when they lost in the Denver. First of all, I can't believe they lost in the Denver Broncos. The second of <laughs> all, when they lost, he was walking on the field and they were playing Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. That was a bit much. That was a little mean. That was yeah, like one step too far. And so that was the first time where I thought, ooh, this is like, you know, ne- negative vibes. You know? <laughs> Poor Travis. And of all uh, the teams to do he it. Gets to, he's dating Taylor Swift, so he'll be just fine. He's going to recover nice and smooth. Um, I think, you know what? I think it's actually hilarious. I think it's great. I think it's super fun. You know, I think that what's interesting is you get to sort of see Taylor Swift be a fan instead of like, you know, being the object of, you know, all the other fans looking at her doing, you know, performing whatever. Now she's just always in the box, like, you know, cheering him on. So I think people love watching like a caged animal in the zoo as she's watching his games, you know? So I don't know. I think, I actually think it's fine. I think it's sort of funny. I think it's, you know, the hype will not, I mean, she's, I can't think of a more famous... I mean, she's like Madonna in the 80s and 90s. I mean, she's basically... There's no more famous person right now on the planet than she is. I mean, it's insane. You know, uh, I don't think we've seen this type of... This level of stardom in a long time. So, it's it's pretty miraculous. So, I think it's great. No, I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to help or hurt the Kansas City Chiefs, you know. But, you know, you guys probably have, have better insight than me. But, uh, you know, who knows, you know. I was in Vegas actually during the the Chiefs Jets game that they had, yeah. and uh, I think someone counted the amount of times uh, they put a score between Aaron Rodgers and Taylor Swift, who was on the camera more during that game, and Taylor Swift won by about three <laughs> camera cuts. Uh, so, uh, Taylor Swift by about three, by about three points. Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Because Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is just like sitting on the sidelines watching his team. Man. Right, a really large RBF on Aaron Rodgers and a very uh, ecstatic Taylor Swift throughout most of the game. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> that needs to be That's phenomenal. So, yeah, I think she's – I mean, obviously, you know, she's not going to – she's just not going to go back on tour until next fall, so she's got plenty of time to go to games. So, you know, leave her alone. Let her go to her games. 
Uh, what do we have here? That's we awesome. got we got about probably ten minutes left here. Yeah. Uh, let Let's get some last few questions in here. Uh, what Let's see the writer strike that's been going on. How has that affected you, especially as someone that's in LA right now? Uh, have you been out there, or have has this just been affecting you in any way? Uh, yes, it has. Uh, I'm gonna get serious for a moment. Just kidding, we're not. No, we will get serious. No, seriously, it's it's affected everything in Hollywood. Not just the not just work, not just studios and and work with uh, you know on shows and stuff. But it's affecting restaurants. It's affecting what I feel sorry for the most are like the people who are you know like makeup artists and set dressers and all those guys because they haven't been able to work my i have a friend who's was a, is a set dresser and he hasn't worked since february when the writers strike sort of started to ramp up right after that and now with the, the actor strike and they're literally negotiating right now and you know fingers crossed they finally come up with a deal it's all about ai but luckily the stuff that i do for the most part isn't part of the strike i mean the strike is about both the writers and the actors, mainly about theatrical contracts of movies and television series with stream, as in, in regards to streaming. So the writers want to be protected by AI. The actors want to be protected by AI. The streaming, you know, the, st the way the streamers are right now, you just don't make the money that you used to be able to make on a network show. Because before, if you did a network show, it would be on ABC, and then it would play again, and then it would go into repeats, and then it would go into syndication, and then you'd make all this money from that. Now, if you do a show for Netflix, it's just on Netflix. So you're not making nearly the money that you used to be able to make. So I think that they're trying to sort of find the happy medium between the studios giving up too much and or not enough. You know, there's definitely a fight there to be to be had. You know, I think AI is. Uh, it's scary. I mean, a friend of mine, you guys will be interested in this because you do this this podcast. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me about this. Uh, she works on this this podcast, and the podcast host doesn't even record anything anymore. She just types it all up into a document, hits a button, goes into the software, and it comes out. And I'm like, it's going to sound totally computer generated. It does not sound computer generated. It sounds pretty close to being semi-human, which was a shocker. So anyway... So they're fighting for that. They're fighting for uh, the likeness because, uh, by the way, here's the best. Here's the best analogy I can make is that people are like, oh, actors, you know, you know, actors are so they're such divas. They're like, if somebody makes a, a chair, you shouldn't have to pay every time you sit in the chair. I'm like, yeah, but nobody's, you know, nobody's getting paid to sit in that chair. Like the studios and the, and the networks are making money every time they show that show somewhere. They're making money off your likeness. So the actors in, should be getting paid for that. So I don't, you know, I just don't think, I think there's a general sort of misconception about that. So yes, in terms of the, the strikes, yes. But like I said, it doesn't fall under a lot of stuff I do because I do a lot of commercials and promos and um, certain like narration, a lot of, like I do a lot of foreign dubbing too, but so that doesn't fall into what they're striking about. So it's fine for me to keep doing that. I hope, man, I've been doing a lot of it. So geez, fingers crossed, not coming after me. No, no, it's totally fine. So, yeah. But hopefully they're going to come up with a resolution that, 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 you know, where all the parties are satisfied. So I'm hoping maybe even today or tomorrow. So, well, yeah. Like but, straws, boys. Yeah. Is there a challenge too? I mean, you, cause you work in that industry where it's, you know, you, you know, paid by viewership and by runtime. And when things, you know, are put on a certain like time, you know, schedule, like that's how people get paid. So is there a challenge too for that, that that's going on and, 
that that can be a challenge too of like you're just trying to find like you know like almost not looking for the money but also like you know i get paid because this gets paid on it put on air and that and there's you know people striking for it yeah it's funny you mentioned that that's the hardest thing about working as a freelance voice actor or freelance producer or freelance anything it's just getting paid even companies like i'm not going to mention names it rhymes with mishni Anyway, um, <laughs> even big companies like take forever to pay actors and take forever to pay, you know, different producers and stuff like that. There's just like a, I don't know if it's like they all have a 90-day net that turns into like a 150-day net or whatever where you don't get paid for like five months or whatever. So that's the frustrating thing. So, you know, so they're, they're working on a situation. I think that's part of what they negotiate. So they get paid. They're also here's what they're also trying to do. They're also trying to get paid, get the actors paid for um, auditions because so many auditions now are you know you have to do it yourself, self tape. So they're trying. There used to be a thing where if you had to self tape, it, you would get paid for. It. I think it was like a little like a little blurb in the contract, a SAG contract years ago, but it was never enforced. But now I think it's gonna be enforced. So in terms of like getting, yeah. So that's the hardest thing is like making the money and then actually getting it. You know, it's, it's always a little bit of a struggle, especially in the freelance world, to like actually, you know, get your get your dough. But thank God for Venmo and Zelle and PayPal, man. They're like, oh, we don't have the, we, we, we haven't gotten the money. I'm like, yeah, PayPal, you got Zelle, you got Venmo, you can pay it. How about now? How about that? So, anyway, uh, it's always a little bit of a struggle, but it all kind of works out, though, in the end, hopefully. Uh, to, to end it more on a lighter what's the, we talked about, you know, your favorite projects, your least favorite projects. What about just voice overall? What's the, you know, past narrating, what's your favorite uh, voice that you've had to do, uh, your favorite impression that you've done uh, throughout your entire life? Like, what's the impression that you just like to use? Well, there was, I used to, when I was in high school, I used to do an impression of Rodney Dangerfield. You know, Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. My mother never left me. My mother never loved me. I used to, she used to breastfeed me through a straw. Um, <laughs> That was like my favorite comedian of all time. So I got to take that voice and put it into a character. And fa- oh my God, you guys actually, I just realized, you guys actually put that character on your little Instagram uh, ad. Which, by the way, I don't know who did that little collage of myself and those characters, but I need that contact info because that's amazing. Uh, that that's was awesome. me, actually, yeah. I... So whoever did that, I need, to, uh, I, need to, I need to have a conversation. That was great. That was me, yeah. Our team. Uh, so there's this character named Donda Chaka that's a part of this really popular anime series called Bleach. Look at me, Louie. And I did that voice. I do that voice for that show. In fact, it's still on. I just came back and did a bunch of new episodes and on Hulu. Um, it's a Rodney Dangerfield voice. So it's like, hey, guys, what's going on over here? Oh, my God, i got to take a load off. Hey, it's burning over here. I don't understand. I'm playing the worst game of my life. Like that kind of thing. That's my, probably my, one of my favorite voices that I've done. <laughs> Well, I, I thank you for continually boosting our egos, uh, especially mine as the graphic designer for that. Uh, it was it was a pleasure oh uh, actually having okay, to do okay, that. We've got to have some words afterwards. <laughs> we got to chat. Because, yeah, that was well done. Well thank done you. all the way around, dudes. I think you guys got something good here. So real quick before we go, where are you guys in, in, in school? Like, where, what, like what year are you all? We're all seniors. We graduated, okay. we graduated in May. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, it's and it's all big time. Gonna, are you gonna move west? Come back home? What's the deal? Uh, well, Jack, you're from Kansas City. Uh, Jacob here, he's from Phoenix, and uh, my family uh, resides in Orange County. You actually met my dad at the Chapman Founders Day. Actually, yes. that's how I got uh, word Lee. of you. 
Yeah. A legend in his own right. Absolutely. Alum! <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll probably be back home for a little bit. I don't know where we're, you know, we're all saying, like, whoever hires us first, right? So that's where we'll be, and <laughs> exactly. uh, we'll take what we well, can you get. you guys got it. You guys got the magic it factor. So I'm, I'm feeling good about your, uh, your success going forward. It's right. going to be good. Whatever you guys do, it's going to all work out. It's going to be right. big. Uh, when you get excited. Get excited for your real lives. Get excited for your 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 your, your lives. You know, post post school. June twenty twenty four is going to be an explosion. Look out, boys. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, for having this time. You know, taking the time to do this show. Uh, can you actually leave us with one thing? If I could just ask for one favor here, can you do like a narration sign off of the Valley Variety? Do like the most epic, dramatic. The Valley Variety, like just kill, like kill the show with the, you know, this is the Valley Variety, the most dramatic ending that you could possibly think of for us. I'm sorry, I can't do that. Just okay, very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Here we go. This will be the stupidest t- at question he's had. The Valley Variety at ASU, the greatest podcast in college history. Now go forth, my young friends, and get that win. <laughs> That's that it. Awesome. That's it. Give him a round of applause. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, and have a good day. Uh, fantastic to have you. Thanks for having me, boys. Well Thanks done. Thanks for the time. You can end the end the meeting, Jack. Thank you. Stopped. Yes. Well done. All <laughs> right. Uh, so we will wrap up the show here uh, live, and we'll send our regards uh, over the emails and Instagram and uh, exchange contact information uh, for graphic design so he can uh, be helped out. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we have three minutes left. Is there anything else we want to discuss in sports world before we go here? James Harden, perhaps, uh, Dimebacks again, maybe, Rangers? Um, this is like a... I was like thinking about it now, like remember the Jones minutes when we used to be in the studio or in the edit base? Yes. Of Jones minutes were just like how much can you wrap up in a minute that we didn't, we don't usually talk about because when we were oh, yeah. when we were fishing just to get it on an ASU uh, platform. Right. <laughs> that's what this I feel like we're, we're doing right that's now. That's what I feel like we're doing right now. What do we have? What do we have? James Harden, anything to it? James Harden's on the Clippers. Insulting. Uh, James Harden on the Clippers. Uh, Rangers have won the World Series. Yeah, um, straight finessed by the 76ers. Uh, not 76ers, by the Clippers, by the way. Straight finessed. Right. Finessed the 76ers, and poor Grace Del Piso is on Twitter just molding about uh, it. Uh, it's really important. So at the end of the day, Philly fans are still down tough, bad. Yeah, tough month for the uh, Philly fans. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, Jack, can we get a promo going while I stall for you, or is that uh, is it too much to ask with our terrible production? Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't have any of the – Good. The That's sounds. good. Very good. So uh, well, can't help you there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. But. We all rushed in today. You know, it's it's nobody's fault. It just happened. It it's it's unfortunate, but hey, it's uh, show business. It is show business. <laughs> uh, again, the show uh, must go on. Uh, next week we'll pro- we'll be back here again, probably without a guest. Uh, but that was phenomenal, boys. Right? Yeah, that phenomenal. was phenomenal. Uh, let me yeah, see if I get. All right. Hey, I got a promo, Jack. Hey, there we go. Don't worry about it. I got it covered. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so let's let's sign it off here. Uh, Valley Variety. See you guys next week. Later. Jacob Jones. Please and give me another one of those chewy lemon heads. Back down. Hey, baby. Cheers. Ooh. Ha. <laughs> <laughs>
Ben Yates. There ain't no easy way out. I want the hey out. And I won't back down. And I'll stand my ground. The Valley Variety, live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on Blaze Radio.